Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel back in North Cackalack. JJ, your cough is gone. I seem to have gotten it. Going away. No, I'm, I'm giving. I'm being optimistic. I think your cough is gone. Uh, you even sneezed only once the other day, which was a record-setting performance by you. Usually, you're a two and three-time sneezer, so uh, happy to have that behind you. But uh, it's, you might have to bring a little bit more of the energy in today's podcast. But we we are. Counting down this week, though, J.J., with a big week, revised top tens, as we promised on Wednesday, organization talent rankings today on Thursday as we record this, top 100 Friday tomorrow, as again, as we record this, but it's Friday, February 12th, celebrate Lincoln's birthday with us, Friday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Time on MLB Network, the Baseball America top 100 will be revealed 100 to 51 during the day. At Baseball 50 America. at baseballamerica.com, easy for me to say, and 50 to 1, revealed at 9 o'clock on uh, MLB Network, and we had a lot of but fun doing that. But come back at 10.01, because at 10.01, we'll have the full 1 to 100 full with, list with scouting rigs, with ETAs, and with video, and uh, a little video vignettes on each of the uh, players in the top 100. And don't forget, Monday, we're going to come back with a podcast explaining the whole process. Uh, we had a nice uh, roundtable podcast with the two of us, Matt Eddy and Ben Badler, that we recorded. Matt's also a little bit under the weather. Ben is down in the DR. Otherwise, we'd involve them in this podcast as well. They were all involved as we did our organization talent rankings, JJ, and, uh, you know, our, go ahead. But before we get there, we do want to remind you, as we talk about all this, the prospect handbook's available. If you don't have your prospect handbook yeah, yet, call. why don't you have your prospect handbook yet? If you if you ordered it from us, baseballamerica.com slash store, or the 800 number, which John always remembers better than I do. Yeah, it's 800-845-2726. And again, order from us, you get 30 extra prospect uh, scouting reports. And you get it now. And that, that's the key is obviously we'd love it if you order the handbook in whatever way you choose to do so. Amazon, other, uh, and waiting for it to come to your neighborhood bookstore, if those still exist, um, we'd love for you to just pick up the handbook. But if you order it directly from Baseball America, you get it faster and you get a little bit extra. So uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, usually we throw in a, you know, you may even get an I'm a Baseball America sticker. Yeah, I'm surprised we don't just stick those in there like as a bookmark, you know. Uh, in fact, that'll be in the next meeting. I'll suggest that. Baseball America bookmarks. Um, but, you know, the great thing about the, uh, you know, to me the great thing about the handbook is that it's a great reference. You can read it all the way through in a sitting if you want to, or not one sitting, but you can read it all the way through cover to cover. But then during the year, you're always going to be going back to your prospect handbook. When players get traded, get promoted to the major leagues, you go to a minor league game, et cetera, et cetera. You, so, you will be the smartest fan in the stands. That's that's what we want you to be. And uh, in order to do that, uh, one of the things you have to know is where your favorite team ranks in our org talent rankings. Is your organization well regarded by those of us who are expert in these matters or not? And JJ, usually of late, the teams that have ranked at the top of the organization talent rankings have not been teams that were contending. That's not the case this year. This year we have two playoff teams, the top Usually it's, it's of our talent rankings. On the rise. We go right. back, I mean, the Royals, obviously, just, just to give a quick, the Royals were number one. This is, I'm doing, we used, we've had kind of two rankings over the years. Which right. It's always a little difficult because we, kept, I mean, again, it's always snapshots. But if you're looking at the talent rankings as we did them at the time of the ha- prospect handbook, you were looking at the, the Royals were number one in 2011 with the greatest farm system of all time, you know, copyright, trademark, whatever. Right. And the Braves were two, and Every, that was a good Braves farm system at the time as well, the Freddie Freemans and the um, you know, J- Jason Hayward. Those kind of guys were just breaking through 
uh, with the Braves in 2011. Then you go to 2012, and you're looking at the uh, the Nationals were number one. And that was, so there's two different ones, as JJ was explaining. One we do with a handbook, and then one we do, which is done in December, and then we used to do a second one with our minor league uh, preview issue in March. Which we still will do. We'll do Maybe it. We won't have to change this. But, that's right. But we're, we're more So we'll update it again. But this is really what we've decided is that the handbook, being our primary thing that we're known for for a lot of people not the only thing we obviously magazine website but the handbook uh, to me should be the primary ranking and that's what we've done so this is a handbook to handbook comparison and that year the nationals were number one when we did the handbook by the time we did it in march they made some trades i already forget they dropped a decent amount but that year in the handbook in december they were number one then you have the cardinals were number one in 2013 with the group that that basically we're, we're still seeing the uh, the benefits from. That's the Carlos Martinez, the Michael Wacas. Yeah. Unfortunately, the late Oscar Tavares. Uh, but right. The, Carlos Martinez. Yeah, it, it was a really good, uh, an excellent system. 2014, we have the Pirates. And, again, we're still seeing some of the effects of that. Uh, we're seeing the effects of some of that right now. Uh, organization of the year being one effect of that yeah. right now in the three straight year playoff run. By the Pirates. I mean, it wasn't all at that one time, but um, that definitely was emblematic and, of an, again, as JJ said, an organization on the rise. And last year, the Cubs, and we I don't think we've ever seen as dramatic and immediate impact as that Cubs number one farm system from last year had. That might have to be like a uh, Matt Eddy project. The greatest war contributed in the year after a team was this, number one in the farms in the, the rankings. The Royals, I mean, it was a four-year process right. to get there. Yeah, no, you're and right. Even, even when they won the, the AL last year, you could make the argument, oh, but not all the, you know, the prospects were only a part of that. I mean, yeah, Hosmer was great in the playoffs, but... Now, this year, they really, it was those guys in, in many cases. But the Cubs, it was all right away. I mean, it was Addison Russell. It was Chris Bryant. It was Kyle Schwarber. It was Jorge Soler. It was all those guys who were, it was basically half their lineup in right, the uh, postseason. Right. Were guys who were top 100 guys last year. And that, before we get there, we'll get to number one. You probably already know it if you've gone to BaseballAmerica.com. But before we get there, we do want to explain a little bit the process how we do this, and the best way I can say it is, is that what we, at least to me, what we have become more and more about is depth is nice. Right. Depth is important. But stars is where I, you are much more going to rank where you rank in the organization talent rankings because of how much, how many top 100, top 150, top 200 prospects you have than you are by having a whole lot of guys who would rank somewhere in the 300 to 600 range. I, I, t- I totally agree. Um, we've really just, that's been the evolution over the years for me is, you know, I used to really value depth. And there is value in depth. And I do enjoy uh, a, a deep farm system. But to me, value really comes from stars. And that does, that's the greatest value. And I also love, JJ, that people in the industry value Speaking of that word, our opinion, because <laughs> I've yeah, already got already getting texts about the rankings just going up uh, from people. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, obviously, uh, ESPN's Keith Law did his organization talent rankings, so they're going to be compared and contrasted. I know that MLB Pipeline will do talent rankings. I don't think they are allowed to rank all 30 teams because you don't want to have someone be 30, uh, heaven forfend. 
Um, and I know there are other ranking services out there that haven't done all their organization lists yet. So this, as JJ put it very well, we're at the denouement of prospect season. You rank all the top for us. You do the league top 20s. You mix in the draft report cards. You rank the organization top 10s. You rank the 30s in the handbook. Then you rank the talent. And then the top 100. And you're done. And then by that time, the season's about to start. In March, I don't give a damn about uh, prospect rankings anymore. I want to see prospects playing in spring training on backfields or in major league games. And then in April, the season starts. So um, we're, we're near, very near the finish line of, of prospect ranking season. And that's one of the reasons why the talent rankings come at the end. And, and to me, JJ, you have to kind of do it in conjunction with the top 100 because you got to see who we think the stars actually are. Who are right. the guys who have the highest probability of being impact players? And uh, it, you know, the, the Braves are third for us. The Astros are two. The Dodgers are one. Those are three very different approaches, I would say, to farm systems right now. The Dodgers have the most star power of that group. But I don't think it's close, honestly, between those three teams. The Braves have maybe higher volume of potential stars. Oh, I, I think but the, they have but the highest volume of potential stars. They do, stars. but the risk is, and that's, that's their Manhattan change bank, they are going all in on volume. But I didn't feel comfortable ranking them number one because, they don't, A, they don't have the talent near the top level well, of I mean, the big for, leagues like the Dodgers do. And second, I don't know if they have even uh, yeah, star for star. I like the Dodgers. Boy, the Dodgers' top ten is really loaded. I mean, significantly loaded. As good as the Braves... Young pitching could be. I'd still take the Dodger system ten times out of ten. Again, if you use, you'll, everyone will see our top hundred tomorrow. If you use the methodology we used, the Dodgers answer. I mean, the Dodgers basically, it was the obvious answer. It was. Us. Yeah. You, when you look at how we do it, again, you look at studies. You know that look at that look at our top hundreds over the years, and they've always emphasized that really. The, top, the value of a top 10 prospect is significantly larger than the volume, the value of a top 25 prospect, which is more valuable than a top 50. And right. really, once you get down to 50 to 100, the, the difference between the 50th prospect and the 100th prospect is way less than the difference between the 50th prospect and the first prospect. Right. The right. Dodgers have uh, the, the Corey Seager Julio Corey Seager Julio Urias one-two punch is extremely impressive. And it's, it's not just the talent that's impressive. It's that these guys have done it at upper levels. Urias is still 19, has had a lot of success at AA, less success at AAA. He's reached that level. And Seager was a three-hole guy in the big leagues, in the playoffs. Uh, very rare for a player to step into the three-hole of a playoff team like he did. And uh, so he's, you know, uh, those, that tandem is... The best tandem in the minor leagues right now. And their depth. I mean, let's not, again. I think their depth the, is undersold. That's, the, I, the, I agree. The Braves system, again, we're looking, you know, comparing contrasting one and three. It's a funny thing. But, you know, but the, the funny, but when you look at the depth, I do think the Braves right now have the deepest system out there. I agree. I think the Braves have a system that it could, it could be the runaway number one team, number one organization talent rankings next year. Right. Because most of the guys who we're talking about for the Braves are still going to rank next year. Right. The Dodgers, they really shouldn't lose that many guys to graduation in the big leagues. I mean, you could very easily, the top guys on their list, you, it wouldn't be shocking if Dansby Swanson was still eligible at this time. You know, like, oh, I mean, I think it'd be shocking if he weren't. He hasn't played Sean full Newcomb, season ball yet. Sean Newcomb is a guy who, yeah, I mean, he could make it up this year where he loses eligibility, but it's very likely right. if he works on improving his control that he does it. 
Then you've got the Tuki Toussaint, you've got the Colby Allards, you've got the Max Fried coming back from TJ. There are a lot of fascinating prospects in that system. The Dodgers, though, have guys, a lot of guys, as you said. Seeger, Urias, those guys, Seeger will graduate. Urias may graduate. Right. Jose de Leon could graduate. Right. And then the thing that the Kenta Maeda, by our, for our purposes, Kenta Maeda, he's a rookie. And that means, you know, I don't, we, we don't have Kenta Maeda at, at the top Jacked of our rankings like we had Daisuke Matsuzaka a decade ago or like we did Hector Oliveira last year. He's in the top 100. Not going to say where. Check it out tomorrow. He's solidly ranked. But he's, he's solidly ranked, and maybe other uh, ranking services don't consider him. You know, as, as long as Major League Baseball's rules consider him rookie eligible, and as long as we think people want to read about him, we're going to write about him and write about him as a prospect. But that's even Maeda. The Dodgers were number one before Maeda, JJ, before they had right. him signed. The funny thing is, is we were doing our, like, our adjustments. Okay, we need to adjust this. And then came in here to kind of run it by you. Hey, I want to move this team here, this team here. By the way, the Dodgers, they're actually a higher number one because the, the Dodgers, since we ranked them number one in the, right. the town rankings, have a Kenta, Ma had Kenta Maeda, who is going to step in and be immediately, you know, just step right in. And if you have your, if you have your, uh, yeah, but if you have your Baseball America prospect handbook handy, and if you order from us, you'd have it in hand. You can see that Kentamaida was a 50 low. Mm -hmm. And where was Diaz? A 50, 50, 50 high. high. So you can slot Gazi them in on your own. 50 high. You can slot them in on your own. Go find the other 50 highs in the Dodgers system and see where they'd go. Find where a 50 low would go. That's actually probably an article we probably need to do is how we... <laughs> it's like five points plus for a mm -hmm. low. It's a zero for a medium. It's minus five for a high, minus 10 for extreme. Or maybe Austin even do it a little different a than that. 50 low. In so, the so there's where, eight, that's, where Ken, you know. that's where Kenta Maeda goes. Jose Peraza, who has been traded since, and, but he was a 50 low at number four. He gone. That gives you the range. That's you, it. You, you know. And in between, if those two 50 lows were what? Cody Bellinger, 60 high. Grant Holmes, 60 high. And Alex Verdugo, 55 high. Cody Bellinger. Mm, prospect cheese ball. I love that he's a personal cheese ball for me. I love that guy. I mean, I just think he's chronically underranked. For, for I don't know I shouldn't say chronically I think he's underranked significantly in the industry, uh, the other publications or rankings I've seen. What more do people want out of Bellinger than an athlete, young, plays center field, not just first base? If he's going to be a first baseman, it's going to be a premium defender, first base, and big power. Uh, I love and, and doesn't hurt to have prospect pedigree. I, I love Cody Bellinger. He is definitely one of my favorite guys in the minor leagues. Well, so what we're saying is is that. Now, again, if you ask me where are these guys, and that also throws in, do remember they added, which already was in our prospect handbook rankings, but Trace Thompson, right. Frankie Montas, Micah Johnson, oh, yeah, just as added depth. Now, they also lost Jose Peraza in that deal. But, again, the depth of this system, I don't know where all these guys are going to play because they're not all going to play in L.A., but L.A.'s answer to a lot of this is is we will acquire the talent and we'll figure out that problem we'll sort, later. We'll sort it out later. Absolutely. They're, so they're number one. The Astros, to me... And this, by, by the way, one more thing on the Dodgers. The Dodgers could have been even a stronger number one. They had two first-round picks last year. One that didn't sign in Kyle Funkhauser and one already had Tommy John surgery and Walker, Walker Buehler. So just another factor... And and that and now and the Dodgers have obviously the resources to parlay this young talent into uh, 
trades. They can pick up anybody they want, really, financially. So, to me, the pressure's on. They have three general managers, four general managers in the front office. The pressure's on. If Andrew Friedman can't win with the Dodgers in the next two years, what are they going to win? I really, I mean, I'm being serious here. I don't know how the Dodgers, anything short of a World Series championship in the next three years, I don't even go three, is a total failure and a big waste of money and talent. That's all there is to it. Now again, they it's should a crap win. Shoot when you get to playoffs, but the reality is, no, it, it, I know it, it, is. it, it, it there, is. There's it luck is. is a significant yes. factor. I get it. I get it. But they have but so many. But they check off every advantage that that, that a team could want and that a franchise could want. They are the they are the Yankees of the twentieth of this decade. They they should the be. The Yankees are like you know what we're not going to spend on free agency this year because we want to stay under the luxury tax. Reset it. The Dodgers are like. And, and the, the the decade when the Dodgers when the Yankees spent the most was a one World Series decade in last decade, mm-hmm. and spent more money than anybody in baseball with one championship to show for it. The Dodgers are headed in that direction. I mean, I have no feelings one way or the other. I don't have like a Dodger fan or anything. My brother grew up a Dodger fan, but I mean, if I were a Dodger fan, I would be <laughs> extremely anxious. That if the, the the standard has to be extremely high for this team, yes. and for me, they're really the only franchise that I look at as World Series or bust. They're the only ones right now. And I would not say that. I'll say this though: you compare them to our number two organization, and I would say that the number two has a a, a somewhat. I'm louder than you this time, JJ. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. But our Astros are number two. The number two, considering what they've done over the last year, year and a half in trades, in graduations and all, is a pretty amazing feat. I would agree. They graduated Carlos Correa, who's one of the best players in the game now. Right. They traded away. They graduated Lance McCullers, who's a key member of the middle to front of their rotation right now. He's not Dallas Keuchel, but if you told me that he's their number two this year, it wouldn't stun me. Yes, I agree. They have traded away Brett Phillips. They've traded away Vince Velasquez. They've traded away Mike fulton They've traded away Rio Ruiz. I can keep going. Josh Hader. Uh, Mark uh, Appel. Right, exactly. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Thurman. Yeah. Um, Jacob Nottingham. They, we can just keep going. Who else, tra- who else did they trade to the Phillies? I'm already blanking. Oh, Thomas Eshelman. Thomas Eshelman. They traded away a ton of talent and, and, and acquired significant talent in return. I mean, Carlos Gomez, was uh, that was a blockbuster trade. Right. Scott Casimir was uh, a key addition for them. Uh, they, they traded away a ton of talent. But you look at this team right now, and even with that, this is a team that has front-end talent, and they have, again, I mean, we said that front-end talent impact is, is more important than depth. But one of the things that jumps out to me, and I, I think you're going to see in Houston what we saw in St. Louis those years. I mean, you, 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 with Lunau, you gotta, you got to make the equation. It's... When you get past the top ten for the Astros, you get past that, you get to the Tyler Whites and the John Kemmers and these guys who... These college I, performers, Tony basically. Kemp, yeah. you know, I, who, I don't know if they're going to be... I, don't, I think it's highly unlikely that any of them end up being stars in any way, shape, or form. But I think it's highly likely that a number of these guys end up having productive big league careers because they can do the thing that's the most important thing to do. They can hit. You know, see, I... I'm, I'm actually the, was the dissenter on this one in our meeting. I did not have the Astros second. To me, the defense of them second is actually star power, not depth. Because their depth has been hollowed out by some of these trades. I look at the 
20 to 30. I don't love it. <coughs> Excuse me. I can give you but, a but I love But I love A.J. Reed. I've, I've, I've come around. I'm on board. The track record is the track record. The analytics say what the analytics say. I like your Ryan Howard comp on his career comp. I'm in on Martez. Francis Martez sounds extremely exciting. I like Alex Bregman as high a floor guy as there is. I think he is a perfect trade piece for them. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's ever going to be an everyday player for the Houston Astros. I think he'll be an everyday player for somebody else. If he's an everyday player for the Houston Astros, barring something injury, go, something barring went wrong. That has to, some, someone had to get hurt because his value is that position. Right. Can Alex Bregman play left field? Sure, he can play left field. But what why would, would you be do the that? purpose of yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, that's just not something. And you also can tow a trailer with your Ferrari, but why would you do exactly. that? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well put. Um, Tucker and Cameron from this year's draft, $8 million of high school outfielders that I like. I like Joe Musgrove. I don't think he's an ace, but I think Joe Musgrove is a good back of the rotation starter. Could be a dude. David Paulino, super exciting. I'm all there. That top seven is stout. It's better than Atlanta's top seven for me. They're closer to the big leagues. And, that, and, and that's it. That's the biggest thing is it's closer to the big leagues and fewer injury concerns. To run through that, Reed played double A last year. If Reed broke camp, Martez finished in double A. Martez double A. Bregman high A. Bre Bregman moved as quickly as any 2015 draftee did. Bregman got to high A enough that your expectation is, is double A. He starts in double A. Yeah. Joe. Okay. Tucker and Cameron, they're the happy league guys. But uh, but at the same time, but, that's two of our top ten guys from the draft. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're gonna not sign Brady Aiken, they signed three. Do of what our they top did, 10. and that's it. They signed three top ten guys from the draft. All bats. These are, I, mean, I know high school outfielder is a risky phylum of player, but they took they two of the risk. better ones, and they did. So <laughs> they, got, this, they got two guys who have different, you know, Cameron's the up-the-middle guy, Tucker's the corner bat. So $17 million bonus pool in the draft, they did pretty well with it. I mean, you're going you're gonna to control the draft? They, they, they did what they could. So I bashed them the year before for botching the Aiken thing, and they deserve praise for the way they recovered from it and handled it this year. Musgrove, double up. Paulino Hayek. And scouts are so excited about Paulino and Martez. Go the rest of the 10. Colin Moran, double A. Derek Fisher, high A. Michael Feliz made the majors. Right. Those are all guys. That's your top 10. And those are all guys, with the exception with a, of the two first-round right. picks from last year. Who, who should are, be double A or above in 2016. All the other guys will be double A or above. That is, to me, one of the big things that stands out. Agreed one of the completely. other things that we have become more and more is, is that, yes, we are going to be aggressive at times with the top guys who are a long ways away. That being said, the attrition rate of, sol of guys who look really good when yep. they're in rookie ball or low A and then hit a wall and they hit double A. Guys who've already made that jump to double A and shown they can do it, that yeah. puts us on board. Absolutely. So. I actually think the Braves have more depth, and they should, and they do. because they they, oh, absolutely. they were you know, a singular focus in 2015 was to build a deep inventory of high-risk, high-reward prospects. And by having a big inventory, they would have a large, uh, you know, ensure themselves uh, of having some of those guys get through the big leagues. It's just too many, too many people to take the, out. The some of those to, guys are going to get through. What the Braves win is the most improved award, and it's not even close. This is one of the most the most meteoric rises of a farm system, understandably, because they they made a ton of trades. And you, hey, they've been aggressive on you know signings. They they it's going to get. And the thing about it is, is again, if you're talking about who is my in the clubhouse leader, be number one next year. 
it's I, easily the Braves because absolutely. we also know that they're going to unload the bank come July too. Absolutely, and they pick third in the draft, so they will have a high bonus pool. So, and the other thing about this uh, other kind of Braves factor is, uh, so last year they were 29th. And, and they were, and they had earned 29. They had earned 29 by being super cautious. Caution was thrown to the wind when John Hart got there, and they knew it. That's the thing is. Nobody validated our farm system ranking of the Braves being 29th in last year's handbook like the Braves because they knew it. That's why Frank Wren was let go. John Hart comes in with John Coppola holding over. They bring back Ray Clark. They kind of get the band back together. They bring in Gordon Blakely, Chad McDonald. Uh, you know, they've got a, a really a cast of um, very authoritative and tra- long track record evaluators there. Brian Bridges takes over the scouting department. They bring Tom Batista back as a national cross-checker. These guys, these are the guys who made the Braves the Braves. Tom Batista was like the area scout, scout for uh, Freddie Freeman. Back when I wrote about Freddie Freeman, how some scouts thought he should pitch. Come on, Manuel. Um, so the Braves have brought back a lot of evaluators they trust. So to them, it's not risky, JJ. To them, these aren't high-risk players. Uh, they trust their evaluators. and So the Braves are scary in a good way right now, and, but they knew... That how thin their margin was previously, and how caution doesn't mean that Tony Demacio didn't do things well as their scouting director. Hey, he drafted Simmons, he did. He drafted Evan Gaddis. They had some wins, but the the phylum of player, the the first wow. round picks, the Sean Gilmartins, and that kind of and Jason Hirsch's those cautious first rounders. That's not the Braves' way, and they're back to the Braves' way now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, and it's exciting. Hey, you know what? It's exciting. And they're, I mean, it's just really cool to see a team bet on their scouts like that. And, you know, the Cardinals do it. They bet on their scouts. They also bet on their analytics. But the Braves are, so it's a little bit different approach, even though John Capolillo, again, is a, an analytically inclined general manager. But he's all in on this approach. And, and the way that you mitigate your risk is volume. And the thing I'll say is, is that if you are looking at this, when you look at these rankings, another piece I wanted to throw out here. One through three, they are, to me, a cut above. Like, the Red Sox are four. We'll get to talking about them in a minute. But I agree. There's a delineation. There is a delineation. The difference from one to three is less. If I mean, I'll put it this way. I, I think, it, again, it's very clear for us that the Dodgers are number one. That being said, I can entertain an argument. If you are... All in on ceiling? Right. You could argue that the Braves are number one. I'll throw this in. Before the Craig Kimbrell trade, the Red Sox were in the hunt for number yes. one. I'm not saying they would have been. But you added you add in. They you were in the Margot hunt. And, Guerra and, 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 and Logan, Logan Allen. Allen and Azuaje. But especially, that's three. that was three of their top ten guys that they traded. Mm-hmm. Logan Allen and then uh, the two, uh, and Mar- Margot and Guerra. And those were up the middle guys. So that's where the, the Red Sox... We're much, it was much more of a group of four, a gang of four yes. for us before that trade. And after that... What was it, the, the gang of four in China or a group of four, a gang of four? But after that, to me, from the Red Sox, and you can go down to at least, to me, 12, there's not a massive amount of separation Correct. in that group. That like, group is really razor thin, and we debated that group for a long time. A long time, because... Like, like I thought the Rockies were going to... For me, the Rockies were uh, six. I would have had them ahead of the Nats. But they, I get it. They are six. I know the, well, the Nats are five, though. Yeah. They would have been five. Yeah. But I'm saying. Like, I like Luke. I mean, obviously, I love Lucas Giolito, and I love Trey Turner. So I get why the right. Nats we are five. We went five because they have guys who are higher. I mean, again, right. the, the top-end guys right. 
I love the Rockies, but then like, John Gray has some like, ickies. Uh, Brady Rogers they have a, a lot great of guys debut. that are top hundred guys, but they right. don't have those same guys who are as high. And that's it. That's a little foreshadowing. I know this is shocking to tell you. Lucas Giolito ranks higher than any of the Rockies. <laughs> that's right. Just a little foreshadowing. Giolito greater than Gray. Big shock. But who would have guessed? But even down to like, okay, the Pirates are eleven. The Twins are ten. The Pirates are eleven. The Reds are twelve. Even down to those guys, I really like the twin system. I really like the pirate system. I really like the red system. Those are all still in that group where I say, you know, there's a lot here to like. Hey, the Brewers at nine. I, I think, love the Brewers. I system. think of the Brewers as a top five caliber system. And they even got better even since we re ranked. Isan Diaz was number nine in the, the Dynamax top, top ten. Can't crack the top ten for the Brewers. 55 extreme grade. Well, that's kind of the same grade we have on Josh Hader. And we, we like Josh, Josh Hader. We like Josh Hader. He couldn't even crack their top ten because they have, you know, a lot of similar ceiling players. The Brewers, again, when you talk about depth, the Brewers have guys at 20, 21, 22. You're like, I like that guy. They, re- they really do. And, uh, yeah, but, the Brewers, but at that t- at the same time, outside of Arcia, it's hard. And I like Lopez a lot. But, and, and you know, Brett Phillips, I like him a lot. He Brett hasn't Phillips. shown the power outside of Lancaster. You know, so you you kind of have to wonder. So all their players have another step to make. The Brewers actually, to me, are next to the Braves as a very likely to be in that top three right. next year. Both of them could end up dropping because the guys could, you know, some risky guys could have bad years. Right. Because the Brewers are going to graduate Arcia, and then it's more got, than okay, likely, yes. I would if they don't this year, considering what they have at shortstop, then then they really are saying we are being very cut. We, we are. I'm just saying, yeah, jo- Jonathan VR could be a one-year stopgap, yeah. but. But you do look at it and say those teams are—they have a lot of upside there. Backing, so we'll go in order though. Back to the Red Sox. The Red Sox is about—it's the four tops, the fifth guy who kind of fits in with them, and yeah. then after that, it drops off pretty quick. Yeah, it's kind of funny how you get to the Red Sox and the—you get in the uh, in the early teens, you're like, wow, it's pretty high up for Nick Longy, you know? <laughs> you're, you know when the uh, right. That, that, that's where you start thinking to yourself, I mean, I like him, but I didn't think he'd be 14 on the list. So the Red Sox probably is the most top-heavy list. Cause but that top, that four, top. What to say, there are four guys that we discuss in our show Friday night. So four of the top 50. Um, is there even a fifth in the top 100? Yes. There is? Okay. And I know there could have been a sixth. I, I do happen to like Sam Travis, poor Ahemplo. Um, but, but we're talking about a totally different potentially different ranking if they hadn't made that trade with the uh, with the Padres. They paid a high price for Craig Kimbrell. I don't blame them for paying it, but they paid a high price in the Padres. Yeah. They also traded again, they traded Margot and Guerra are really talented players. And I don't know how they would have played for the Red Sox. I agree. That doesn't mean that I don't think they sold them low. Uh, you know, or gave them right. away because they couldn't use them or whatever. Right. But uh, it wasn't like they yeah. said, "Please take these from us." But that was a good trade for the Padres. I think it could be mutually beneficial. But I like that trade for the Padres. But the yeah, that Nationals top... at five are another system where it is all about the top end star power. Yeah, that's a star power farm system for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit higher on Eric Fetty than most. Um, I think we all have a, uh, a little crush on Victor Robles right now. If you're if you wanted me to choose a short season international prospect, that's kind of the guy. You know, for me, it's Victor Robles. He just sounds so exciting. And then, you know, I think it's it's really almost a matter of having to make sure you don't have too much prospect fatigue on an A.J. Cole or Wilmer Defoe. 
I do think that both those guys are useful players. Got Defoe. Defoe's only had two years of, in the spotlight. Yeah, but Cole has had much more than two. Cole's years. been around for a while. Um, AJ that, Cole has been around. Your 2010 right. you know, high school guy. I mean, yeah, he's been around a long time. But to me, and he's been traded back and forth. And back and forth. That's right. I'll say one common thread also, JJ, for all these teams that are top ten organizations. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's an exception, but I don't think so. All these organizations have pretty successful, strong international scouting departments. The Astros are a little bit more Johnny Come Lately to it, but but they've they've obviously one way they've they they have several Latin American prospects who are in their top ten. A couple of them had great trades. Martis and Paulino, where they picked them up. Right. Scott, very, very cheap. But all the other organizations that are top ten are very international heavy. The Twins, one of the biggest differences in the Twins now and the Twins ten years ago. Well, the big league team ten years ago was winning, but they were doing it in spite of the fact that they had no presence of the Dominican. But now they aren't El Rey, but they have El Rey in their big league team from the Dominican uh, program, Miguel Sano. And they have many other Latin American prospects, so that's really and they've even like I mean, that's a some, separator for these like, good they, teams. They've drafted very well from Puerto Rico. I mean, very they, much so. But yeah. th- that's all these. The Phillies traditionally have done it. The Brewers haven't traditionally been a power there, but Arcia, obviously, big part of their uh, their number one prospect from their Latin program. So all these top tier farm systems through twelve, all those teams are very either active or have had some real successes, some real wins. In Latin America, and that's a big re- you just you really in today's game you just can't get to the top. You can't get well, there from we, here. We, we will, you can't we, get we to will the top. bookmark this. Yeah, as because we're going through team by team, as you can tell. We can bookmark this because when we get to the Baltimore Orioles, we'll bring this back up. That's that's exactly where I was. Heading. I knew you were. I knew where you were going. We'll get there. They're a long ways away. Orioles <laughs> fans, keep or stick around, but we won't be talking about your team for a little while. I'm it's, sorry. That's not a guarantor of being a top-ranked farm system. It just happened to. Again, I think it's harder to do best, it through the draft. The best right? way I can put it is, is this. When you saw the overreaction, the money ball overreaction of the early of the early aughts, yeah. where teams said, I'm just drafting college guys, I'm not drafting high school guys. And teams have gone away from that because it was dumb. Right. And the reason it was dumb then is the same thing we're talking about now. Why would you close off? Why? Yeah. You want to be open. To me, you ought to be open to all avenues where you are limited where you are limited in talent acquisition is nowadays you can only spend so much money in the draft yep. no matter where you pick you can only spend so much money internationally you can have there's more freedom clearly more of a loophole bigger loophole there's a bigger loophole but even with that there still are significant restric- restrictions on how you can spend yep your talent acquisition is limited that way how it is not limited is you there is no limit to how many scouts you can have, to how many different ways. That's you a scout, great way to put it. You can scout indie ball. You can scout internationally. You can scout Australia. You can scout the Asian game, yeah. your teams. You can scout all scout. these different ways. Yeah. You can bring in talent. Why would you say, you know what? Unless you are somehow an organization so financially limited that you can't do that, why would you not? Well, the Orioles and the Marlins are the two teams that stick out to me there because they both thought they were almost like, it's almost like it was clever, like, hey, we're not going to use this international bonus pool money. We'll just trade it to other teams for other assets. And, I mean, those other teams were very easy to find that wanted the international bonus pool money because they see that as a significant asset as well. And it's just not a coincidence that the teams that didn't see the international bonus pool money as an asset 
were are, are toward the bottom of the farm system rankings. I just you know just it's like you said it's very analogous to Moneyball. It's a good analogy. You're on a roll with analogies this week. That's good. But uh, number six that fits more nicely okay. go back because the Rockies' saving grace for a period of time it was was its international program and how it brought it. They couldn't develop a pitcher. You had they had much more trouble developing pitchers domestically the yeah. than they did from international. But you look at the Rockies at six again. This is we're not. Trust me when we say this is not going to be all a happy, touchy-feely. We love every farm system. Right. But we really like this farm system because what the Rockies have, again, they are one of those systems that they don't have the guy. They don't right. have that one guy that you turn to and say, okay. Yes, lead pipe, cinch, top ten guy. Maybe next year, maybe we might say maybe that about Brandon Ryan Rogers. McMahon. Maybe we'll say it about Brendan Rodgers. Maybe we'll say it about David, David Dahl. Dahl. If he's healthy for a full year, Maybe please. Jeff Hoffman is, you know, taking that step forward. But The next Aaron Cook. But <laughs> My favorite comp. But you have you have all these guys. I mean, right. again, Trevor Story, who's number eight on the Rockies list. Trevor Story is, I mean, he's an up-and-down guy. I mean, right. he, he's, he's a, up and down, and I don't mean that as in he's an up-and-down major minor league guy. He is a guy who, if it all breaks right, it would not shock me if Trevor Story had an all-star season at some point. Yeah, I agree. He's if a it really... all breaks wrong, it would not shock me if Trevor Story had a 10-year AAA career. He's a really interesting guy because, you know, Trevor Story came out of the minor leagues like gangbusters, had a big first year at Asheville. Then he went to the Cal League, and he just struck out so much. He still strikes out a lot. That's still a hickey. But here's a guy who could be a middle-of-the-diamond player, second, short, or third. Um, does a lot of things well, has some power. I like Trevor Story. Now, I don't love him. I don't think he's a future star, but uh, he's he's not in the bad place to hit in Colorado, and I think he can do a lot of things well. So that's your number eight prospect, the guy who had the kind of year he had a double A, had some triple A time, and, and has had some ups and downs. I, I, I kind of like Trevor Story as your number eight guy. It's a sign of a good farm system. Right on top is number 10. Yeah. Now, I know, I mean, I, just to preempt some of the questions, I know there are other places out there that are higher on Rymel Top. Show me are. why. But, <laughs> That's what I want to know. Right. And again, we like Rymel, we like Rymel Tapia as a prospect. Yeah. But here are some things to, to just to give a quick, a little side. Rymel Tapia doesn't have a lot of power. And probably with his approach, with his swing, that's never going to probably be a big part of his game. Correct. There are questions about, I mean, he's, a, he's an outfielder with some athleticism. But he's a average center fielder at best. Kind of a tweener. Kind of De- defensively. Potentially a but, center fielder, but that's a big yard in course. But the biggest thing is is that for a guy who the hit tool is the you know, is the, the carrying tool. The hit tool is his biggest right. tool. One thing I want to see is is his contact rate, he has great hand eye. But he strikes out a hundred times a year. Yeah. This is not a guy who this is not the guy This who is not Willens Astadio. Right. <laughs> Willens Astadio, who's not as, as good a prospect as by any stretch as, as Ryan Altapia, but that is the insane hand eye where you can't strike him out. Did we He's factor in, Astadio into the Braves' uh, farm system rankings? Because they didn't he sign with the Braves? He did. He did sign with the Braves. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him in spring training because <laughs> I enjoy watching Williams Astadio hit. I yeah. really do. It is everyone at the ballpark who's Who at wouldn't? a game where I'm yeah. hoping, I, I, I'm sure he hopes to be in double A. I hope he's in high A because he'll be Carolina, he'll be down the road, and I'll be watching a lot of Williams Estadio. But but yeah, the uh, but that is what I'm saying was this. But if Ryan Tapia is your number ten prospect, that's a good farm system. That's a, that's right. Both Tapia and Story would be much higher in other organizations, I think, because they've number had some one success. Number on your Angels top ten. Yeah, do we want to go there? I don't we'll know if we want to go back. there. We'll get back. 
But the, of your other top ten teams, yeah, the, again, the Rangers. The Rangers, the Rangers is, again, top ten guys. Yes. Mazzara, Gallo, Williams. That's... I also did. I also liked their 2015 draft. It's a high risk, high reward, but you know you had Donovan Tate and Michael Matuella. Let's no, face it, Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate. Who's, do, do who's not Donovan, Donovan Tate? Tate. Why, why did I say Donovan Tate? No, no. Who's Donovan Tate? You know who Donovan Tate is. I know is who he is, but why did I say that? Yes. Dylan Tate had a chance <laughs> to go number one in the draft. This guy might be a steal at four, JJ. You know, midway Luis, through the Luis year. Ortiz could be a guy who could go for the draft before. I mean, Love Ortiz, and again, a year and a half ago, Michael Machuelo was the guy for the 2015 draft class. So uh, it's a. By low, maybe, you know, maybe a. Absolutely. Hey, maybe you have Tanner Shepherds, maybe you have more than that. I'll put it this way. We were talking about the Dodgers with Funkhauser, who they didn't sign, and Bueller. Funkhauser. Bueller, you know, the Dodgers got Bueller. Bueller versus Machuelo. There, I mean, there's a hot, lot of risk there in both cases. Bueller's higher Ooh, floor. That's a good question. Bueller's higher floor, but Matchwell is significantly to me higher ceiling. Yeah, oh, no doubt. No, there's no doubt about that. So, and uh, again, if you're and again, I, if you're talking about a guy who ranks, who's not going to be a top, who's like a back of the top ten to 11, 10 to fifteen type guy, I want. I'll, give me the risk. I'll yeah. take the risk. And the Rangers, we know this is uh, par for the Ranger course. Another team they're, they're going to have an active Latin American program. Say, another team of a great international program. Yeah, and and they're aggressive. They don't mind. They're, they're going to be aggressive in Latin America, and yeah, probably a little bit more of a high on the following the rules in Latin America these days too. Um, that that's that's one uh, uh, other aspect there. Uh, for some reason, our draft database isn't working. Make a mental note. Okay. Not working. Philadelphia Phillies. Really, the Phillies rank here. JJ. Uh, they have incrementally, hey, I guess. Uh, hey, before we get into the trades, but they're, ranked, they're, they're linked to the Rangers, is why I was going to get yeah. there. They're ranked here not only because of this, but in part because of some Rangers, <laughs> the big a Cole Hamels trade. trade. Um, a but trade I, that, again, could benefit both teams in right. the long term. But I did want to point out that they've drafted hitters pretty well of late. J.P. Crawford, Andrew Knapp, Cornelius Randolph, those are three of their top 10 prospects, and those are all guys, bat first guys, and guys who. And they, and especially two of those guys, Knapp and Crawford, have a chance, especially Knapp, Crawford for sure. Uh, Knapp has a chance, not 100% sold. He's going to be a catcher, but I think he will. So that's what I'm most excited about, J.J., is they have up-the-middle prospects who can hit. And uh, I'd rather have up-the-middle prospects who can hit than up-the-middle prospects who can just field. That's right. If, you, if you're going to do one, hit first. I want both. You're but... gonna get, that's right. I want both. And, hey, J.P. Crawford does both. That's yeah. why he's jacked up toward the top of the top 100. Andrew Knapp, we're not so sure. That's why he's not. We won't see him in the Baseball America Top 50 show on MLB Network Friday the 12th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And I, that's a good chance for me to jump in and remind you again. I'll remind you, if you don't have your prospect handbook, if you're enjoying this podcast, you want your prospect handbook because this is it's thousands and thousands and thousands of words just like this. That's words. what it is. That's a lot of words. Um, JJ, rankings. Let's round up our uh, the rest of the top 12, 13. We're going to go 13, 13 deep. It's kind of a little delineation of our ba- – uh, and it goes a baker's dozen mm, donuts of, uh, of our farm system rankings. Uh, but the Phillies naturally kind of ranked next to the, the Rangers uh, at 7 and 8. Rangers at 7, Phillies at 8. The Brewers and the Twins at 9 and 10. Thanks, here's some geography. But these teams are both uh, – they're, they're different stages. The Twins – Won last year in the big leagues, to an extent, more than they had in seven years. They didn't get there, but they were in it. And uh, I think, J.J., they have the farm system talent, whether they want to trade or by graduating those guys in the big leagues, to make that next step. 
Jose Barrios should help the rotation. Byron Buxton, everyday center fielder. Max Kepler is close to being ready to help. That said... Jorge Polanco as a utility yeah, piece in a lot of different places. Absolutely. That said, very I'm, I'm very excited for the Brewers about where their farm system is. And if it weren't for the Braves, the Brewers had the biggest leap in our farm system rankings this year. And they did it the way we're talking about it with these other teams. It wasn't just the draft. It wasn't just trades. It was draft, trade, international. Right. Draft, trade, international. And you look at it now, and the thing that jumps out is, is this is a system that could be really good. It, it's, it's to come. I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, right, right now, everything in Milwaukee is not about 2016. It's about down the road. It's not surprising that you know, they have a GM, David Stearns, who just went through this rebuilding process in Houston, which in the end worked out very well in Houston. Right. You know, and now Milwaukee's in the early stages of that. But the difference is, is that it's, it should be a little quicker than it was. Now, the, the problem they have is, is they are in the deathmatch division of deathmatch divisions. That's the hard part. That's the really You look hard at part. the Cubs and you say, really, again, baseball, the great thing about baseball is, is the best team doesn't always, you know, on paper, there is no reason that the Brewers should catch the Cubs anytime soon. Right. No, there is not. There isn't. You know, I mean, the, the Cubs have young, big league talent that's already proven it. They have a ton more money to spend than the Brewers. They do have farm system talent now. It's just riskier. It's unproven. They're it's not going to be one of these top 13. I actually wanted to ask you about that. I know we're a little out of order here. But what do you think of our Cubs ranking? I've seen other rankings that have the Cubs as a top 5, top 10 farm system. I don't see it. I don't see it, JJ. What? I mean, I don't see it. I, don't, I mean, I don't, we, all we can do is, is our rankings. But and on our rankings, I can explain it this way. Okay. Let's just go through. Got your prospect handbook. I like Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres, he's a really good prospect. What's not to like about Glaber Torres? Glaber Torres is... I like the tools. He's not, he's not a top 10 prospect, but he's an elite prospect. I like the tools. I like the makeup. I like the position. I like everything the about Glaber Torres. he's done so far. That's right. I, he's now, he was, he was a low A guy who got up to high at the very end of the year, so he's I, a little further away. I like the track record. Go back and read when he was the number two prospect in the July 2 class, and Ben Badler wrote like... Hey, this guy has track record. This guy's hit since he was really young. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was 16. So everything, all the arrows on Glaber Torres pointing up. Hey, I like Wilson Contreras. I don't mind a catcher. They don't check age when you're, when you're behind. The, they don't check your ID behind the plate. It, it actually, it sometimes clicked the, eventually. it clicked. And he's always had the tools. I didn't think he had tools like he had, like he showed in AA this year. No one expected that this guy was going to be a batting champ. In the Southern League. Right. But there is a little bit of caution in that, like... Still a lot of caution for because, me. Because, for one, that season came out of nowhere. Correct. He was a prospect before that. He was on the he depth had, chart, but he wasn't in the top But he 30. had never done anything like he did last year. And you hope that it is... You know, again, we root for prospects. Yeah. We hope that that is that it all came together. He's taken that step forward. Absolutely. And but I hate, that being said, if he took a step back this year, wouldn't be shocking at all. I like Ian Happ. I don't know where he's going to play, and I have a little caveat that he struck out a lot in the Cape and college last year, and he wasn't playing in the SEC. He was playing in the AAC, the American Conference, a good conference, not a great conference, not the SEC, not the ACC. Um, Dwayne Underwood. I like Dwayne Underwood. I don't love Dwayne Underwood. It's a, not a swing and miss fastball, and the secondary stuff comes and goes. He's a decent, if that's your best pitching prospect, you don't have strong pitching prospects. That's the way it is. You'd rather he was your second or third best mm-hmm. guy. That's Dylan, Dylan Cease could be that number one guy Correct. on a pitching prospect list. 
a year from now. And my pick to click for a year from now is that it's going to be Oscar De La Cruz. Right. Both of those guys. But both of those guys, Dylan Cease, coming off of TJ, has thrown 24 pro innings. Right. Oscar De La Cruz. First, a, first year in the States as a First year in guy. the States. We're not going, like, unless you're Anderson Espinosa, where you are showing, where scouts are calling and saying, this is the best stuff I've seen from this age right. since Felix Fernandez, we're not ranking you that high. De La Cruz is somewhat analogous to a David Paulino or even a Francis Martez in the Astro system. He's ne- he's next year's breakout guy. Right. If but you told right me that now, he's where they are next year, that's absolutely. Right. But, but there's you can't some do risk it. right now. Right. Then you're looking at, you know. Albert Almora? Yeah. Billy McKinney. Albert Almora, again. Jamie Candelario. You like Albert. I, I, I think you're a little higher in Albert Almora than I am. Right. But he almost, I think he might have been in my top 100, my personal 100. I think he well, was. What is Albert Almora going to be? Again, my comp form is always, like, best case scenario, is Aaron Rowland. And he's a little bit less physical than Aaron Rowland. Probably a little bit better field to hit. Similar type of defender. You know, Aaron Rowland won a gold glove, even though he wasn't a burner in center field. That's my career comp. They don't look necessarily the same, uh, but their tools wind up being pretty similar. I think Albert Armore actually kind of fits for the Cubs, uh, especially if you get the DH in the National League. Jason Hayward slides to right field. Jorge Soler goes to left field. Soler, smash. Schwarber to DH. Almora fits in as like your seven-hole hitting, gold-glove caliber defensive right. player in center field. But on a right, Glue but guy. I think he's got intangibles that make him a better player than the numbers might say. But that said, he's not a slam-dunk top 100 guy. Not for me. No. He doesn't do enough. Billy, and he, he just doesn't do enough. And Billy, Billy McKinney's similar. I was reading, you know, way, we were yeah. very high on Billy McKinney at the midseason and probably a little bit too high, to be honest. I mean, like right. we said. Not, too, our mid-season, not probably. We definitely we were. were. Our midseason rankings are more volatile because it's reefer looks. That's right. It's, you know, it's, it's a it's, shorter sample size. It's a shorter sample size. You're talking to scouts who've seen him once. They haven't seen. They haven't had that chance to swing back around and see him again. And... Also, our mid-season and he had a update, great and he had a great first half. And the midseason update doesn't include how these guys do over a full season. Mm-hmm. It's midseason, yeah, and it doesn't a, include draft guys. He had an incredible first half in Myrtle Beach, and then second half in Double A, it was a little bit more kind of in line with what he's always done. Which again, Billy McKinney's a very good prospect. I think McKinney, and honestly, to me, there's not a huge difference between McKinney and Winker. Winker's done it more. He's done it a little more authoritatively. But there's not a huge difference no. in those two guys. No. So that's why I'm not as high on Winker. They're bat-first guys, but the other tools, none of their other tools grade out more than a 5, and some of them are 40, 45-ish. So you're really banking all on a 6 or better hit tool. That's my problem with both prospects. But I do like Winker over McKinney. And so maybe, you know, if, if, you, but, so if, you like, if you like Winker a lot, you probably should like McKinney a lot too. I think we really like their draft from last year, but not as guys like I, we like Brian Hudson, we like DJ Wilson, Absolutely. we like Donnie Dewey's. Those are all guys we really like. And I like the guys from the year before. Sands, I like Steele, uh, I like Trevor Clifton. I see upside Z- with the Z- Cubs. Z- you know. Mike, Mark Zagunas, I see upside. But all those guys, Mark Zagunas is a non-profile guy. Where's the power? Uh, Trevor Clifton had like a 390 ERA, and you're kind of wondering where's, you know, he, there's raw ability there, but... So if he winds up better than Dwayne Underwood, wouldn't shock me. But you know what? If neither of them made it, if Dwayne Underwood wound up being the guy, none of that would surprise me. I think they're a little bit more volatile system. So we might have them a little low in our farm system rankings, but, I, but I don't, they're, not a, they're not a top 10 system. I don't think there's any way, for me, the Cubs are a top 10 system. Unless, you really are con- unless were- you're convicted on those two AA outfielders, and I'm not. 
And and which is fine. They were the number one system last year. And, and they, they won ninety seven games. Yes. And they graduated Schwarber and Bryant and Russell. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, all three and Solaire and Solaire. All all four of those guys were in our top twenty. So high uh, high on the. But that's why again. But this that that top twenty, which again the Cubs doing it, they did it as impressively as every any team ever does it. Yeah. But that being said, that right there is exactly why ranking in the top twenty, the top thirty. Means a lot Correct. for our rankings. That's it. Because Good point. because the reality of it is is that Chris Bryant already Chris Bryant already has provided more value than a large number of the guys who rank fifty to hundred on our list he's will provided, ever provide. He's probably provided more value as a number two pick in the twenty thirteen draft than Mark Appel will in his career. You know, it's, even if Mark Appel turns into Luke Hochaver, a number one overall pick who winds up being a good middle reliever, Chris Bryant's probably already provided more value. Let's face it. Um, so after the Brewer, the Bruce, so the Brewers were nine, Twins ten. JJ, we like the Twin system. Uh, I, I can see them being the Brewers, higher. But, again, really, but to touch on the Brewers a little bit. Yeah, those two teams have some similarities, and that they've they've really had to they've spanned the globe. And really, the Twins haven't done it much through trade. The Brewers a little bit more. The trade has been a little bit bigger factor. Uh, whereas with the Twins, where the international has been a little bit bigger factor. The the Brewers, you look at it and say, what I really like for them is is their 2014 draft was. The ultimate, let's put all, I mean, we're sticking at the roulette wheel and let's put it all on yes. white 22, oh, you know, right. whatever it is, you know. And it may hit, it may not. It very well may not. It may be that Monty Harrison, Jacob Gatewood, Cody Medeiros, you know, one, two, or three of them can end up being significant guys. But you love the fact that they don't need those guys. This isn't the Marlins system where. Those guys have to be one, two, and three in the you know on the list. Right, exactly. And you know, I like what the Brewers were able to do in 2015 uh, with their lot. draft a whole lot. Um, and that's so I like the the risk, uh, high risk, high reward of what turned out to be Bruce Sides' last draft. But we love Trent Clark. Love. We're, we're in on Cody Ponce. We like Demi Arimile a lot. And, and Nathan, Nathan Kirby has a nice lottery ticket. Check back, you know, after the surgery, and let's see. That's it. So, that's, that's almost like a bonus pick down the road. It is like a bonus pancake to use an old Lacey Lusk term. But yeah, I so I like uh, the Brewers' uh, farm system. They made a big move up our uh, up our rankings, and I, I think deservedly so. Uh, and again, but again, the trades didn't hurt. But the Twins, the, the Twins are not that far. They're ten, and they're not that far from five. Right. No, I Byron agree. Buxton. When we talk about elite prospects, matter. Byron Buxton remains. By two at bats, a very elite prospect. Yep, absolutely. No, I agree that I I like the twin system. I like I like their pitching a little bit better than the teams behind them, uh, immediately behind them, Pittsburgh. And I like their hitters better than I like the Reds, who are at twelve. So uh, the, again, the Twins were a little bit higher on my personal farm system rankings when we were first putting the book together. I really thought the Twins would wind up uh, ranking a little higher. I think that we were hard graders on their BA grades in the book. Mike Berardino was a very hard grader, and I think that that, when we put all the BA grades into the spreadsheet, I guess Brian Kinney would have called it the shredder. I think that brought them down our rankings a little bit. I actually, the last thing I did in the handbook editing, literally the last thing, was jacking up a couple of Twins grades, and I still think I could have done a couple guys higher, and I'm really thinking more toward the back. But I think it actually, one of their average, I think, wound up a little bit lower than where but I that being said... It. 
a lot of these guys on the back end, I really like them, but they're the guys who don't help you rank on the talent ranks much because they're relievers, and relievers, you get a knock. That's, that's but true. there's the Jake Reeds, the JT Shagwas, the Nick Birdies. They have a lot of really interesting yeah. relievers. I'm not sure that all of them are going to hit because usually they don't. I just think their average would have ticked up a little higher when we put them into the, the, the analytics part of our uh, of, of this process. But they do have uh, they have a lot of those guys, and they yeah, have a lot of those do. guys. I mean, I think their bullpen they're going to be able to make a a very young homegrown bullpen a lot of talent there to to put something together pretty interesting over the next couple of years. My throat feels like it's about to swell up and close, so we so should we so we should 10. wrap. We'll so we should wrap. We have we will return with the rest <clears throat> tomorrow if John's throat is. Uh, you might get you might get Matt Eddie pinch hitting if he's feeling okay. Matt's been under the weather himself as well, so. Or, or maybe it's just the solo JJ just talks. I could talk for three hours. <laughs> About these rankings, you probably could. I really but, could. Uh, but this was fun, JJ. Yeah, I had no. I was low energy to start, and I got super jacked as soon as we started. I knew you would. What a shock. I, uh, actually, so. I think I predicted that before it ever started. You did, and uh, I apologize to Sarah Hyatt McDaniel next door in the office to have to hear us screaming at each other about this. We're actually not angry about it at all. We're really just enjoying ourselves. But uh, We're loud people. That's what she gets for moving her office closer to ours. So. We're loud people. But do remind you, before you go away, just remind you, BaseballAmerica.com tomorrow. If you enjoyed this, you're going to want to read. we got to have the top 100 prospects up at Baseball America. 100 through 51 during the day, 51 through 50 at their, the MLB Network show, 9 o'clock tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, we'll have it up. We'll be on Twitter with it. I'm at JJCoop36. He's at John Manuel BA, baseball, at Baseball America, obviously vital for that. There's Yep. And also, but we won't be done then, Monday we'll be chatting about it. I think you're going to man the t- Twitter. I think I'm going to man Snapchat tomorrow night. So if you're on Snapchat, read BA is our Snapchat, but... I enjoy the Snapchat medium only as a, in a professional function. As well. I understand it's used for other things, but I have fun with Snapchat. We so. will be also be about Twitter, Facebook, Baseball America on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter at Baseball America, all the social media as well. But we hope you enjoy the show tomorrow night. We know we sure had a fun putting it together uh, with the MLB Network guys. It was a just blast. think about it. Just think about it this way: they already have a prospect show. They don't need to do another prospect show for and we us. Think that, yeah. They do it because they like having Baseball America be part of it. Uh, it's the 35th year of Baseball America. It's our 26th top 100. You know, Alan Simpson and all the people who came before us, JJ, kind of invented prospect ranking. We carry the torch and continue that legacy. And um, it's really an honor. And I mean this with, with utmost sincerity. It's really an honor that they include us and give us a show on MLB Network. They don't have to. They do it because they feel like they should because it's better for baseball fans if Baseball America's voice is heard like that. And that just means an awful lot. And we so appreciate we, it. We, so we, we, we couldn't appreciate it more. And we hope that people at home uh, watch it and enjoy, it as mu- enjoy watching it as much as we enjoyed doing it. So for JJ, I'm John. We'll see you Friday night at 9 o'clock on MLB Network. And we'll see you here on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.